Welcome everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Brian Pergosi podcast. It's so good to be with you. It's so uh, such a pleasure, such a joy. Uh, I have a guest today. His name is Will Pye. He's been a, a guest here previously. We had some technical malfunction. He was actually wishing with me in Asheville live. We had some strange technical malfunctions with the phone, but we got some great stuff in and and uh, now we're back again, and uh, I'm excited to to bring him on, talk about his new book, The Gratitude Prescription. The Gratitude Prescription. Feel free to ask comments, questions. Uh, this is an interactive space, so feel free to join us anytime. And station um, Will's coming on right now from the from the UFO. Hi, Will. Hey, how are you, Brian? Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to see you. Yeah. So, uh, you're in the UK. I am. I wasn't planning and, to be. Uh, yeah, you were planning to be. So, you were planning to be in the, in the States, in America, and uh, there was a surprise, a surprise turn of events. Yeah, the, uh, a pretty common experience for many people right now, trying to get into the US. Um, I thought as a, as a white Englishman who's visited there on God knows how many dozens of occasions and always adhered to my visa requirements, it would be a straightforward procedure. So I can only imagine how it would be for people of brown skin color or called Mohammed or from uh, Muslim countries, because uh, unfortunately I was denied entry and uh, sent on the, the first plane back to the UK. So uh, yeah, not clear reasons why right no it's not really clear why i think it, 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 so far as i can tell i've spoken with an immigration lawyer they suspect or, or fear and i think fear is the appropriate word here there's not much rational reasoned objectivity going on they fear that i was there to marry a u.s citizen and of course yeah and of course that would be terrible if that happened right so that's that, that's that's an act of terrorism right so thank god they um were able to intervene and uh you know it, it's it's crazy and on one level really saddening and frustrating and on another uh i'm fairly well practiced to look for the opportunity and circumstance and difficulty and i'm in meditation and listening in in, in this instance yeah, and that's what I was feeling into. It's like, well, yeah, that's like um, when you have something you're 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 so set of all your ideas and your visions and your plans and financial returns that are going to come from a venture that's what several weeks, maybe several months, and then all of a sudden in a moment it's like, no, you know, that's not happening. It just seems like it's. How do you work with that? How do you how do you address it? How do you deal with that? I mean. Um, some of us, you know, have dealt with things even on a sh stronger level. You you dealt with uh, unexpected cancer, right? Um, and then, and then on, a, on, a, on a more minor level, we deal with things like this maybe every day. And maybe we blow them in, into a bigger proportion than they really need to be. But regardless, we all have these situations where it's like, this is totally not going as I planned. Right. And so like, how do, how do you work with, with this kind of a situation? I think it's certainly something that was present for me. There was an initial emotional experience, a, a frustration and, a, and a, a sadness, kind of a sadness, not really at what, I mean, even before they made their decision, 
the sadness was not really at the circumstance, but it was that the system and the human consciousness upon the planet right now is such that we had to be playing this stupid game in the first place. You know, it was just so mm -hmm. unnecessary. So there was an authenticity in, in, in feeling what was coming up in that and, and being with that. And what was the opportunity in that context that I found myself in? What was the opportunity in that moment as someone who wants to be a source of love and truth in the world, who wants to be a, a, a contribution, an aspect of, of solution rather than problem to show up in that? So for me, what that looked like was getting clear that it's really fine, you know, better to be detained by border security in the US than Iran or Russia or Israel, probably, I'm guessing. If they one day, you'll find out. Yeah, well, hopefully not. I'm happy for this to be my limited experience and for that to be the case for forever. Um, also, what came to mind was like, liberty and freedom and what that really means and i thought of gandhi i thought of mandela i thought of luther king many individuals who as part of their righteousness and purpose and service and contribution have uh, been detained and imprisoned and i thought of people who have um, for no other reason than being in the wrong place at the wrong time being imprisoned for sometimes you know, three, four, five years tied to a um, chain to um, uh, a, a radiator. I think it was Terry Waite. There was a, a, a series of these a few years back. So I was thinking relative to that, my circumstance is absolutely fantastic. You know, the worst case is that I'm going to be in a US prison for a while, you know, <laughs> which would, mm. would be pretty bad, but it could be a whole heap worse. So then there was this good, good writing. Oh, for sure. There's, there's definitely a story in there, I think. I've written a few blog posts. I wrote them out by hand, having persuaded them to give me some of my possessions. Um, uh, and the deeper opportunity for me was to, to, to not be in fear, to, not, to, 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 to be in love in that moment, yeah. and to, yeah. to treat the people that I was being treated by... Um, not always particularly well. Um, certainly the overall system, I'm being treated as a criminal. Um, my attempts to answer questions are, are being treated as if yeah, I'm, I'm a troublemaker, wanting to know why I'm being detained. <laughs> and so the practice became being a peacemaker and being a source of love in this pretty stale, uninspiring environment. So when one of the gentlemen who was very frustrated that his wife had been detained, was getting very angry. I attempted to bring peace and presence and, and recognition of his pain and listening to him and pointing to the reality that these guys are working within a system. However, they're just human beings like you and I doing their, doing their best, uh, mm. wanting, wanting to be treated with respect just like we do. Um, mm. And then I guess, uh, yeah, the, the, I, I, was re I was reading also, um, one, once I persuaded them to give me some of my possessions, um, <laughs> I was reading a book, a stunning book called A Year to Live. So that became an opportunity to spend some time 
to dive deeper into this extraordinary book called A Year to Live by Stephen Levine. And my final sort of opportunity that I, that I found um, was to offer the supervisor of the whole show as I was departing uh, a love letter from the universe, which I distribute my friends and I as part of Love and Truth Party. It's this little postcard basically pointing out your innate worth, that you are loved. And they're really, really beautiful. And, and it was kind of funny because the guy wasn't able to, he said, I, I, I legally, or the rules are, I cannot accept anything from you. I cannot receive anything from you. But really key, he said, energetically though, I, 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 he, he could read it in my hands. He said, I, I see what you're doing and I appreciate it. And energetically, I receive the love that's being offered. And that was really meaningful and important for me. So it was like, even in this, uh, the heart of the matrix where self-loathing and fear are being uh, created, cultivated, stimulated, provoked in order for Trump and, and other forces to have their way and to manipulate people. Even in the, in the midst and the heart of that, there was the opportunity for a beautiful moment of shared humanity and understanding that transcended all of that. So that was the opportunity within the circumstance in terms of now being back in the UK being significantly financially impaired than what I would be um, really being pretty unsure as to what next uh, I'm I'm in the listening as to what the opportunity from that is um, I'm very fortunate to have residency in the UK and New Zealand and Australia so um, uh, all countries with uh, less insane presidents and countries with free health care and um, countries that are very happy for me to show up and, and, and be here as a human being. So right now I'm feeling to look to those other possibilities. Uh, I'm sort of thinking mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that's where the opportunity is, is, to, is to, to bed down in community elsewhere rather than the US. I'm, I, it may be that after a few days I'm feeling, okay, let's, let's, let's fight this. Let's, let's, let's make this work. Let's, let's get into the US. But I'm, I'm not feeling that at this point so we'll we'll see what the broader opportunity is i think mm -hmm. uh, a few things come up for me in what you're sharing one is that the, the opportunity for love or fear right it seems like that's that's always the the opportunity to choose one of those two energies in each moment so that's really huge just to notice that that every you know every moment we have the opportunity to go into the fear energy or into the love um, energy um, the, the second thing is to really be able to live in the unknown, I find it's just a huge uh, teacher, I think, for me and for, and for all of us. So, you know, I, I myself and I think, you know, all of us, the way our minds work, we have an idea of what we clearly think is better. Like we know this is the better way it's supposed to be. And then when you when you come really down into it you get really honest with yourself it's like well i don't actually really know if that's the better way right and it kind of feels like this face here right now is like well there may be a bet this may open up another opportunity that's even better i don't know what that is right now maybe five years i look back and it's all very clear oh this happened so that could happen i can meet this person i got this opportunity and i find you know it's kind of like when the ego gets really stuck in something um there's a lot of suffering but we can kind of just like loosen that a little bit. Obviously, situations like yours is much more difficult. But if we can loosen that a little bit and just um, rest in the unknown, it really opens up possibilities. 
for us? Yeah, it's a huge one, I think, isn't it? As you imply, we're so conditioned not to be comfortable in not knowing. And, in, and indeed, yeah. so much of human activity is to provide an illusion of security or certainty. You know, a lot of our religion, a lot of our philosophy, a lot of our hoarding right. money and so on is right. an attempt to create solidity or certainty. And um, that's been a beautiful practice and continues to be in, and has been in the last few days and is right now, like to be okay with total uncertainty, to be okay with not knowing. And that's been really alive for me actually in the months leading up. It's quite funny. Um, as I reflect on that now, everything in my life in the last months has been like place to placing of uh, place to live, um, intimate relationships, primary means of income, uh, country I'm living in, uh, whether I've got, you know, statistically 40 years or four months to live, all of this stuff has been um, sort of picked up and thrown up in the air in the last few months. And that's at times been exciting, at times been unsettling, and the practice has been trust. The practice is trust, you know. It's one of the yeah. teachings, I, I'm a big fan of A Course in Miracles. It's um, one of my favorite sort of spiritual technologies, you know, a book that actually transforms in the process of imbibing and engaging and interacting with. And the teacher of God uh, trusts and, the, and towards the end, it talks about what are the attributes of a teacher of God, not necessarily someone that's taking on an active role as, as a spiritual teacher, but like someone who's a, who's a source of presence in the world, whether it be that shopkeeper down the road or your grandmother or someone who's like you and I, who are taking on somewhat of a public profile, um, hoping to be a source of peace, love, joy, inspiration in the world. And in, in The Course in Miracles, they talk about trust. You know, like I, I have no idea and that's okay. Yeah. You know, uh, I, and I, I, I deeply appreciate, you know, feeling into this a little more deeply with you here now, the, the teaching of Christ that you know, he created the, as I've heard it said, he created the, uh, the crucifixion as a means by which, as a lesson for himself to deepen his embodiment and realization of the truth of God and the truth of his infinite and eternal being beyond body and beyond form. You know, it's like we, we enter into these forms, into these bodies to have certain experiences and to learn certain things is my understanding, my, 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 my belief. Um, I don't have many beliefs, but this feels like a really sort of practical, helpful <laughs> belief. You know, it's like, okay, so what's the, yeah. what is the learning here? What is the opportunity here? Um, yeah. And I, I, it's really the place to be, you know, trust is the place, place to be. Um, that's really what the practice to me is all about is living in that, that field of trust in, in, in each moment. And um, I, I equate, you know, people had these questions of like, you know, how do I quiet the mind, right? We, you and I both lead workshops and retreats around this sort of topic. How do I quiet the mind? How do I um, find peace inside? And to me, it's a direct, it's a direct relationship with not knowing, with trust. So it's like, 
if I can be in a space of trust, I don't have to know it all, understand it all, figure it out. So my mind then becomes naturally more quiet and I'm more present to the moment. And then I'm like to feel the feel that I feel you in right now is I'm, I'm like actively listening to uh, this, which brings me to the moment. It has me in a space of um, engagement with, with the now. Um, and so my mind isn't, um, yeah, the, the monkey mind, as it's sometimes called, is, is more quiet and allows me to be in a receptive space. Yeah, and it's funny hearing, it r reminds me of a, a recent experience with my nephew. Um, I think uh, children are such powerful teachers, and they were talking about the brain. And I was explaining to them that there is, uh, first of all, there's, there's this funny little sort of little growth on my back. And they were like, Uncle Will, what's that growth? What's that weird thing on your back? And I said, oh, it's, a, it's an additional brain, boys. It's like, I have, I have an additional brain in the bottom of my back. And they laughed and so on. And I was like, it's actually funny. We do have brain beyond our head. We have a brain. And I, and I touched each of them on, on their heart and on their belly and pointed to the fact that they have neurology, that they have brain here. So when we're talking about quieting the mind, yes, to be in trust, to be in acceptance, to be in the here now, to be still in the body, of course, all of this stuff that, that you know very deeply helps the mind quieten, helps the mental body settle. And also what's true in my experience is that when consciousness is more, in, more embodied in the heart, when my heart brain is more active, when I'm in the feeling, like that's, that's where I feel trust or I feel gratitude, right? Um, and so it feels to me, and, and a nice little segue into the gratitude prescription, one of the things I talk about in the book is how to be a, you know, like a turbocharged human being, a superhuman being. And one of the very straightforward, I think now in 2019, ways that we know how to do that is to activate our entire neurology. And what that means is activating our entire nervous system down through the heart, the intuition, into the gut, into the knowing. And we now know as well, of course, scientifically, that a lot of what is happening there is determining our emotional states, is determining our experience of well-being or lack thereof. And that's not just about what I'm eating and putting into my gut, but it's about like where, where my consciousness is. Am I taking time like to sit? You know, in Zen, we talk about like sitting just as the practice, right? And allowing consciousness to drop into the Dantian, into the seat, into the core, into the, into the root. And, and like even just speaking that, and like, like I feel the, the drop, you know? the drop and the, the, yeah. the quietening of any mentation that might otherwise be activated. It's kind of curious. I totally love what you're sh sharing. I, I do. I, I think there's a, it's experientially kind of happening as we, as we, uh, as you speak to it. And um, the way the words come to me is like you, we get caught in this kind of up here, you know, the, the, the mind, the brain, the, the brain, and we're, and we're, we're, we're using, we, we, I think to me, where we're at in our human evolution, our consciousness, we're addicted to thinking, you know, and we, we found this tool that was a really good tool. And now we try to use it for everything, you know, and it, and it just can't be used for everything. And there's, there's, um, 
So what I felt in what you're saying is, uh, yeah, cer certainly thoughts have their purpose and the, 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 the mental mind has its purpose. But when you quiet the mind, you have the potential to activate a deeper intelligence, <laughs> right? Kind of through your entire nervous system and, and beyond. And um, so, you know, you can, get, you can have this idea that like, oh, if I quiet my mind, I'm just going to be this, this, you know, lifeless vegetable or something. But it's quite the opposite. You know, it's like it's actually a deeper intelligence that activates inside you that becomes um, accessible. Yeah. And you know, I've used the God word, which I, I always feel I should add you know, a paragraph or two of what I mean when I use the God word. And the it's, it's, it's so often a misleading thing. But I think what you're pointing to there, like the superconscious or the superconscious or yeah. an infinite and intelligent field that we may call consciousness or we may call being, um, that we are... <laughs> <laughs> that we are an aspect of. And that's what I'm talking about when I use the word God, really it's for me consciousness or it's, I, mean, I, I, I find myself hesitating to use words, right? Because my words are inevitably going to not be correct. <laughs> that right. they're inevitably gonna mislead. That's always a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, It, it, it feels like a necessary or a helpful conversation to be having nonetheless in this time and uh, place upon the planet right now in 2019, because a lot of people believe in God. And what if God were our true essence? What if the infinite and eternal being were simply what each of us are? You know, like, and of course, yeah. when, when we know ourselves to be that, it becomes possible, easier, to remember that that's true of the border, the border security guard yeah. or, or whoever. Yeah. yeah. Have you, uh, have you looked into non-bank communication at all? Yeah, Marshall Rosenberg, not, not in any great yeah. deal. I haven't completed any workshops or whatever, but I've, I've read a couple of the books and, and practiced it. I think it's one of those things like NLP that you, you can just dip into the surface, but get a couple of really powerful pieces out and apply them in a way that's useful mm -hmm. so to stick with my experience like when i hear you say i right. notice that i experience you know my experience my feeling has nothing to do with you of course <laughs> yeah yeah it's absolutely and then you can also use it the feelings and needs for other people too to have a deeper empathy or have a deeper sense of where they're coming from. So I started feeling into the border security guys, because um, for those, well, I guess no one knows because I didn't share it here, but I had a situation with entering Canada um, uh, about a month ago where I almost was denied entry and it was a big kind of fiasco. And it was, you know, there was a lot of unhappy people I was dealing with. Um, so in my situation, I started thinking about it yesterday and I was like, which I hadn't thought about until we talked about it in, in this way. But it's like, you know, what, what was their needs, right? I said, okay, well, they have a need for safety. They have a need for security. They have a need for protection for the, the people that they feel they represent. And they want them to feel safe. Okay, I can, I, can, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that that's a need that someone would have and it's so important to them and they want to 
kind of love and serve these people that they feel that's protecting. Um, so it, it kind of opens up a deeper level of, even if you don't agree with their approach, you don't agree with their strategy of how they're trying to achieve it, you can understand where they're coming from. And it kind of opens up a, a dialogue. And I think when I, I think that, yeah, it just, it just creates a, a different um, layer of potential communication between people that I, I admit I wasn't necessarily in that space when it was happening to me, but reflecting upon it, you know, I was able to kind of see through our conversation more the, the needs, even if the approach was misguided, I kind of, it, it helps to kind of, kind of soften, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I love that word, soften. That, that really lands in, in me. Um, and, and to be clear, also, you know, I would give myself like maybe a, a B minus in my performance <laughs> overall from start to finish. You know, I've shared the more revelatory moments in which I was the peacekeeper, peacekeeper and the love bringer. And there were also moments of irritation and moments of reactivity. But certainly yeah. what shifted for me was around that. It was around empathizing. So, okay, um, I'm not going to be able to convince these guys that they're working within a corrupt system with an insane president. And mm. that's really not my mission or purpose or function or highest contribution in this moment. But what I can bring to them is respect. What I can bring to them is empathy. And I can embody or, or vibrate, if you like, peace and love. Like that's a direct communication that's available that can be rejected, scoffed at, um, or, or, or felt and appreciated. And that's beyond my control, of course. But it felt really helpful for me to, I said to many of them, if not all of them, because I had plenty of time to speak with them. Okay. Um, you're, you're doing a really challenging job. I, I, I can see that, you know, I've watched all the conversations you're having and, and, and people are rude sometimes, and you know, I, I, I know you. I know you have good intentions in what you're doing, and I don't agree with it much of it. I don't agree with how it's being applied to me. But I want to say I appreciate that you've yeah. got a difficult job and you're doing your best. And thank you. Um, and that that changes things quite profoundly and dramatically, uh, just in that moment, in that experience, in my heart, and potentially for the individual that I'm with. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully I won't have another opportunity to practice that any deeper. But, um, <laughs> you know, at the same time, I, I kind of trust that whatever presents will present with opportunity and purpose for, for learning and growth. Um, totally. The, and, to, and to be totally candid and, and, and uh, authentic, it has also been difficult this last 24 hours since I've got back. It's been like, you know, kind of like life. What do you What do you want from me? I, I I thought this was the next step where the service was coming from, where I was going to be making significant contributions that was aligned with my what I feel to be my sort of soulful purpose. Yeah. And 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 this happens. So it's it's yeah. It's curious. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you 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 were going for a tour for your new book, The Gratitude Prescription. That's right. Yeah, that's sort of added to the pain is, is that uh, the book was released upon May the 1st. It's my second book, but in some ways, I think my first book, I feel it's a lot more rounded and has a lot more craft perhaps to it. New Harbinger have done a great job working on it with me, a really, really talented group of editors. And 
I was excited about um, sharing that and promoting that. Of course, there's a lot of books out there. So for a book to serve a lot of people, you've got to make some noise. You've got to create some awareness around that. And going to the US was a large part of that. And now to have that opportunity taken away and all these wonderful talks that were set up, I was going to be talking to the, the University of uh, California, San Francisco. There's 100 people registered, all, blah, blah, blah. All these wonderful things ready to happen and, that, and that's gone. So um, that's sad. And I'm happy that here now we're talking about it and the big glow community and some of our mutual friends um, will hear about this book, The Gratitude Prescription, because in my experience, you know, we've touched on neurocardiology and a little bit around meditation or implied at least when it comes to quieting the mind and stilling the body. For me, along with those things, gratitude is uh, one of the most profound truths, but also one of the most profoundly applicable practical spiritual truths it's got this like combination for me and for me it's like an ultimate truth like this being this breath this awareness is all gifted right it's all it's mm -hmm. all a gift so to be appreciative to be grateful is to be aligned with a very fundamental truth and it's a really simple like practical you know three things in the morning three things at night in your journal and we practice that for 28 days, for, for 40 days. And the science tells us that our neurology would have shifted at the completion of that period. Our psychology mm. would have shifted at the completion of the period. Indeed, our sociological functioning will likely have shifted as so we'll likely be better in our relationships, we'll likely be more generous to charity and so on. It really is as close as I'm aware of the being a, a sort of silver bullet or a panacea, though of course it's not the answer for everyone. It is a very powerful tool and technique to create greater well-being, to counter depressive thoughts, to counter the monkey mind and its negativity, and to train the heart also. Because of course, in in gratitude, uh, I can't do. I, I can think gratitude up here, but only it's only gratitude so far as those thoughts, so far as that mental body allows feeling, allows the heart to soften, allows the heart to open and yeah, feel appreciation and feel gratitude. Yeah. Yeah, one of my all-time, maybe my all-time favorite quote is from Meister Eckhart. If the only prayer you ever say your entire life is thank you, that should suffice. Yeah, yeah, mine too. It's, uh, as you can expect, you know, I've been giving radical gratitude play shops around the world for a long time. So I've, I've got a few favorite gratitude quotes, and that's definitely in the top three or four. Um, there's another one of St. John of the Cross whilst we're looking at uh, Middle Ages Christian mystics. And uh, St. John of the Cross explained that he asked God, uh, what is grace? What is grace? And of course, grace is this wonderfully nebulous term. Millions of pages have been written upon what grace is by you know, Aquinas and uh, scholars around the world. But the answer that St. John of the Cross got from God was simply everything that happens mm. <laughs> I just I, I just love that there's, there's no yeah. the mind like the ego mind would want to wriggle out of that right but what what what, 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 what? but it's like yeah, yeah. It really it truly is everything you know um and, and, we're, and when we're looking from a perspective of soul growth or or indeed collective growth rather than my personal uh ego needs 
that's very easy to take on that truth. You know, so if, if this somehow has, if this is somehow a grace for the collective or, or a grace for this soul's unfolding, this recent happening with the border security, that's a whole lot easier to then embrace from that perspective than just looking from the narrow, but it's impacted me financially or emotionally, you know? Yeah. Um, and what comes up for me in that perspective is a little bit of excitement, actually, which I haven't been feeling so much this morning, but it's like, oh, yeah, so you, 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 you took us to the future and said, well, you know, five years, you look back and I'd often do a similar thing with clients and groups is you know, think of that time where you lost a job, but then started that dream business afterwards or a, mm -hmm. a relationship ended and then a more beautiful relationship came along. And then extrapolate that out to a future event from this here and now and try and feel into what the goodness, what the evolution, what the growth might look like. And if I look back at my life with so many countless examples um, of difficulty and challenge and sufferings that were opportunities, that were the fuel for, that were what led to much goodness, uh, much growth, much positivity, much what I would desire. Um, that clarity helps me experience what's happening now with actually that excitement, as I say, a little bit of excitement, like bubbling up, like, okay, so let's, let's, let's really continue to feel into that, continue to deeply listen. What might this be revealing? What might this be asking of me what might this be insisting that i now learn <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah and you, you uh you had a brain tumor mm. uh, how long ago did, did that happen i was diagnosed in 2011 february 26 2011 um so what are we now that's like yeah over eight years ago mm -hmm. so that's a specific example so how about we look at that so you wrote that was your first book was a lot about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Slightly provocative title, blessed with a brain tumor, realizing That's it's a full gift and learning to receive. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, a friend of mine at the time, he said, well, I reckon that's a bit more of the old you in that title. I was looking at radical gratitude or blessed with a brain tumor. And he felt that the blessed with a brain tumor was a little bit more of the cheeky, provocative old me. And maybe he was right. Um, and there was a part of that in the design. It's designed to create some sort of like, wait a minute, what, what's he saying? Blessed with the brain? Like, how, how is that true? And I, and I hoped that from that curiosity, there'd be an opening into yep. the narrative and the conversation that the book invites to actually just discover for themselves what it would be like to encounter whatever happens in life as opportunity and to not suffer life's pain and difficulties and challenges, but rather expand through them and grow through them. Um, and I've been kind of practicing that philosophy, I think is, you know, we've chatted about before, Brian, for, for, for some time. So I've been practicing um, meditation for many years and 
of course, one of the things that happens when we start to look into how the mind and body function through our direct observation. You know, for example, we, we hit our elbow, you know, the, the funny bone, as they call it, or we stub our toe on the, on, the, on the door frame or something like this. And we have this very unconscious, quite hilarious process of intense sensation and then, and then a physical reaction. And then often we make a, we make a loud noise like ow or we might swear or you know, it's, it's a very insightful direct experience of, oh, what's actually happening there? And we learn that it's actually possible to stub your toe, feel the sensation, and just carry on walking. <laughs> it's, I mean, you can still swear and shout if you want, if that's helpful. In my observation and experience, it's not helpful. So the reason I mention that is that learning that painful experiences and difficult experiences were opportunities to learn and grow and develop insight. Um, mm -hmm. was already pretty well established. So when the brain tumor came along, I was like genuinely excited. I was like, wow, this is like a big lesson. This is a big opportunity. The, the growth opportunity and the, the potential for expansion in this is, is massive. And what did you learn from that experience? How did that, how did that, how was that a growth opportunity for you having this brain tumor? So, yeah, I mean, so many ways that I could answer that. I'm sort of pausing to feel into what's most helpful in this moment. So when it came to the, hmm. yeah, there really are, there really is so much that the experience taught me. One immediate thing was it invited me to embrace my death, to embrace death. Uh, as a as a here now truth you know it's it's it, you, you cannot be comfortable with death happening tomorrow or comfortable with death happening in 10 years or comfortable with death happening in 50 years you're either comfortable with death cessation the end of it now or not and what i found was that it was possible to be at peace and in love with imminent cessation of physical being and I've also had, um, you know, the, the body still fears death. So I've, I've had a lot of experiences with grand mal seizures and so on to directly um, dive into the possibility of death now and, and enter into the, the void, into the joy and peace that's contained in that. And then I've also had other occasions where the body, like well, there's this fear that happens in in the body when it thinks that death is about to happen. And that's, that's okay. I, I just speak to it because I'm always wary of portraying some sort of absolute, oh, oh, that Will's transcended the fear of death. Will doesn't fear death anymore. It's like, well, yeah, there's a truth in that. And also fear still arises in the body when death seems to be happening sometimes. <laughs> so that was one thing. Uh, it's like that, that deeper truth of, don't fear fear right 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 so feel it allow it to be present and that was that was one of the things yeah, yeah we, we talked I mentioned like the when we stub our toe or we hit our elbow when the seizures were happening and i was noticing when the seizure was about to happen this fear would come up in the body and so the practice was to feel it right yeah to really like wow this is strong this is powerful and then using the using the mind 
what am I scared of? Oh, I'm scared of death or a seizure happening. Okay, so let's make that okay. Let's say yes to death and or seizure, like whatever, <laughs> whatever is uh, on the menu. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's to me that's the powerful practice of gratitude. Um, I find when I um, invite people to go into sharing what they're grateful for. They generally will go very quickly to things that they like, things that they agree with, things that happened the way they wanted them to happen, right? This is, this is, the, this is the initial gratitude, um, which makes sense. But I find where the practice really becomes valuable is when you can start to become grateful for things that don't go how you want them to go, that you don't necessarily agree with, that you don't understand, <laughs> that are painful, that are sad. Um, that's where it becomes really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate you, you pointing to that sort of depth of the practice. My friend Austin Hill Shaw, um, beautiful, beautiful soul, uh, architect, um, father, uh, author of The Shoreline of Wonder. He's a creativity guru, just a, a real sweet brother. And he read the book, The Gratitude Prescription, as part of um, you know, being an endorser and so on. Mm -hmm. And yeah all these endorsements came back, of course, with all these wonderful people saying wonderful things because they're wonderful people and have asked them to say wonderful things about the book. They're not going to say, well, you know, I found it a little bit, you know, they're going to say nice things. But one thing that really sort of landed was Austin's because he said, I'll be honest, when I was in, you know, I, I kind of thought gratitude was just a you know, nice bit of positive psychology, um, but not really capable of what he called like the heavy lifting in life, as it were. But he discovered through the book, and this was meaningful for me because he's already a like, really wise guy with you know, massively deep practice and so on, that he learned something from the book was really meaningful for me. And he talked about the depth of the practice that you're pointing to there. So we, we enter into gratitude with the chocolate brownies, with the sunsets, with the um, roses, with the flowers, with the fact that I can, I, I can see, the fact that my hearing's good, the fact that I'm... Um, living in England, uh, the fact that I have loving parents, the, the fact that um, I, I can read, the fact that I've written this one, yeah, all the good stuff. But the, the, the most powerful alchemical application of gratitude, once we have a sort of fluency or, or a capacity to activate the feeling of gratitude in the good times with the good stuff, which for most of us does take practice, you know, it's like we're not generally taught gratitude or meditation or exercise at schools or intelligent exercise at schools. So we, so we practice to, to strengthen that muscle, to, to open the heart, really, to open the heart. This is my, my uh, Zen teacher, Roshi, Dennis Kelly, um, uh, Dennis Kelly Roshi. So I got a little bit confused there. His embodiment expression of clear, deep heart, mind or enlightened consciousness is this it's the opening of the heart kind of like the superman um but really just opening the heart again and again and gratitude when we're in turmoil or pain or a difficult situation such as in uh, san francisco airport secondary uh, holding area for uh, immigration there was actually a moment in the midst of that i'm, I'm in like the you know, what's going on why i'm cold i haven't eaten why are they being so rude and so on? And then there was this moment <laughs> of, oh, right. Okay. Thank you for this. 
<laughs> Thank you for all of this right now. This is just <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the 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 ease that that brought into that moment yeah. was profound. Yeah, I think it's a really important point that you're making. Um, I, yeah, I think that people, when they hear about a gratitude practice, a lot of people think it's just some kind of fluff, superficial, you know, way of kind of avoiding the deeper depths of of reality. Um, but when you go deeper into it, it's exactly the opposite. It, mm. it is the heavy lifting, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it really, um, you, you, you're, because the way I think of it is, first of all, it's a practice in presence, right? Because <clears throat> you can't be grateful for if you can't be present in the moment to even notice it. <clears throat> so that alone is like, you go deep and you start to notice all these aspects um, of yourself, of your consciousness, of, of life, of the of the of, of, uh, of human consciousness collectively that you weren't aware of before. And then can you appreciate it? Can you have gratitude for it? And that I find by appreciating having gratitude, you actually integrate these disconnected parts of yourself. Yeah. And, and speaking specifically, I, I'm sure that many who are watching, listening would have experienced emotional pain. I mean, of course, everyone has. And my journey of emotional integrating or emotional metabolizing um, has been greatly aided by gratitude. So when you know, familiar pain comes up in the body or when a, a contraction in the heart or um, a depressed energy or something like this, to actually you know, to sit down, as it were, with that, or as I'm walking along, lean into that and, and say thank you, uh, which is really to say thank you to a part of me, a part of myself, yeah. you know, whether, yeah. whether that was me at six months or me in a past life or me 10 years ago, whatever, doesn't really matter. But to actually greet with loving presence now, that which is painful. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I just dropping into that in this moment, I feel the extraordinary power of that to meet those parts of ourselves that we may have rejected or made bad or wanted to push away or wished never were felt again. And then to actually allow that to arise and, and be in appreciation to, to, to thank the, the, the discomfort is, is for me an alchemy. It's a divine alchemy. It yeah. literally turns shit to gold or lead to gold. <laughs> gateway to wholeness. You know, that's mm. the way I'm feeling it right now. It's, mm. Yeah. It's, it's, gateway to wholeness it's 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 a really it's i think if you if you keep it on a superficial level then that's all it will become but if you're if you're taking it the way we're talking about it it takes you all the way i mean there's it's so deep the way it takes you and so powerful and i think that's that's true of all things isn't it like whether it's sure. plant spirit medicines or or, or meditation you, you can meditate to become a more functional investment banker you know, to, to, to rip off countries and economies in a, in a swifter and smarter way to maximize your personal revenue. Nothing wrong with that, right? Amongst the many ways that you can make a living upon the planet. And you can use meditation to end the illusion of a separate self, to realize what you are as infinite and eternal being, you know? Both are, both are great. Um, if, if meditation makes you happier, makes you more productive, great. If meditation le you, leads you to the truth of what you are, then 
I would I would think personally even better because I have a bias towards truth towards the nature of reality um, and you know, plant spirit medicine is another really powerful tool uh, spiritual technology that we have available upon the planet right now like it seems that the same thing there is with gratitude some people go quite shallow they might it seems that they might be using it quite a lot but it seems to me sometimes i feel are they really going deep because i guess in my view if you're going deep with plant spirit medicines you stop using plant spirit medicines <laughs> i mean I, that's a, <laughs> i think alan, alan watts spoke about it, like once you've got the message you can put the phone down <laughs> yeah 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 ram das talked about it too ram das was uh one of the pine one of the pioneers but as far as the, the movement of the, in the late 60s people that really brought lsd into the into the into uh popular consciousness and how it related so him and dr timothy leary and so he had a lot of expansive experiences with lsd and then made his pilgrimage to india and um learned meditation and came back from that experience going so deep in meditation he, he said you can you can experience the exact same things and more using meditation it may it may take longer, but it's, it's more sustainable. It's, it, it's, it's more um, of, a, of a lasting, grounded consciousness. Yeah, it's, it's the story of American Buddhism, much more so yeah. than most conventional Buddhists today would like to admit. But um, if you look at all the abbots and the, the leaders of American Buddhism, it, it's 60, 70, 80, 90% of them got turned on by LSD and went to Eastern mm -hmm. spirituality and meditation as a means of sustaining that insight and deepening that insight and allowing the insight to become embodied in their neurology. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is exciting in the context of where we are now with even the uh, fear-based controlling authoritarian government of the United States opening up to the therapeutic study and application of substances such as psilocybin LSD as well, DMT, um, and, and, and others. I, I just really bow to Rick Dobin, MAPS, all of these guys that have been working for decades to, to campaign for that to be made legal. So the therapeutic benefit of MDMA and, and so on can actually be uh, more widely and broadly accessible. Mm -hmm. And how, how, much of, how much of your path has that, has that uh, those um, that medicine, sacred medicine. How how much of your path has that supported you? Uh, I I would say profoundly and significantly. Um, mm -hmm. I I was a deeply angry, insecure, uh, often depressed fourteen year old when I encountered MDMA. And MDMA taught me unconditional love of self and everyone else. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how more clearly I could express that in such a way that people would hear and get, okay, yeah, MDMA was powerful for Will. <laughs> Similarly, I was aware that I didn't want to be doing this every weekend and nonetheless, the seed had been sown that it was possible for this body-mind to know that, to feel that, to perceive that way, to see that way. 
to experience itself that way. Um, so that was a, a very powerful beginning. Um, as a general answer to your question, like, I think we're quite similar in this. I've, I've just, just always been hungry for, for truth. So I am, I am a, I'm yeah. a Christian. I, I am a Zen Buddhist. I am a Sufi. Like, technically, I'm, I'm each of those things. I'm a, I'm a science geek. I, I love energy medicine, energy healing, energy psychology. Um, I'm open and listening wherever it might present itself. And MDMA was certainly one medicine. And I think plant spirit medicine is a, is a language in which I feel comfortable with and feel is accurate. Uh, entheogen would be the other, uh, and accessing God. Um, mm -hmm. And each of my teachers upon the planet, um, Roshi, Dennis Kelly, uh, Dennis Kelly Roshi, Ming Tong Gu, Martin Brofman, um, many teachers who I haven't sat with directly, but who I you know, read their books, um, Ram Dass or Eckhart Tolle or whoever it might be. Alongside those embodied physical people, I would place psilocybin, um, DMT, 5-MeO-DMT, um, mescaline, uh, and, and, and so on and so on, peyote, and, and all of these wonderful medicines. I feel it's clear that they are part of the evolutionary journey of the human being upon planet Earth. And it seems like, to go back to your, your other point about superficial or deep, um, to partake in a medicine ceremony is not enough. I mean, there's, there's a whole integration process. There's a whole spiritual practice that is uh, equally valuable, if not more so, afterwards and beforehand. So it, it seems like um, if we can bring that as part of a, a deeper practice that's daily, you know, something something really powerful can open that you can you can then inquire into, reflect upon, meditate into, and really make integrated changes in your life. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's as true of meditation as plant spirit medicines. Like, I wouldn't right. advocate for either, but I would advocate for people to be informed and to make their own choices. And both meditation and plant spirit medicines are extraordinarily powerful practices. So yeah, meditation might initially make you feel calmer and more peaceful and so on, but probably at some point also, you're gonna encounter pain, repressed trauma, um, the, the, the bardo realms, hell, all, all the rest. So if you want to be more aware, that's great, but meditation will ultimately allow you to become more aware of everything. <laughs> yeah. And that might be yeah. really, really painful. So you wanna have a good teacher in my view, it's helpful to have lineage. Certainly, it's necessary to have community where you can say, hey, look, in my last sit, you know, I started to see these like demonic visions happening or you know, I started to encounter this pain in my womb or in my stomach or whatever. Like, that is a powerful tool as well. And plant spirit medicines, I think we're, we can very readily and easily go, yeah, these are extraordinarily powerful tools. So use with reverence, use with care and use with a clarity of what your intention is. And are you using it um, to avoid your life or to face your life, right? Like the intention seems like really, really important. For sure. Intention and integration, as you said. Integration, yeah. like yeah. it's 
and I think there's a there's a profound challenge in that, of course, particularly when we get to something like 5-MeO-DMT, um, to integrate what that teaches us into our day-to-day, -day, into our psychology, into our neurology, into our thinking. It's, 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 it's no small task. Um, but that's the game, is it not, with all that we do like we, we have an insight but the degree to which we can really claim to have embodied that insight is the degree to which it's observable in our behavior in our moment-to-moment -moment existence and I, I know for me um <laughs> you know I'm, I'm forever being reborn and starting again and bringing that beginner's mind that we talk about in zen like i I, I can own some insights that have occurred and I can own much of what has been seen. And at the same time, there's a, a, a deeper humility and recognition of my um, blind spots, of my um, foolishness, of my flaws in my character, in my psychology. Um, so clearly there's more learning to occur clearly there's more growth required um mm -hmm. i'm i'm still meditating i'm not using much plant spirit medicines these days um and clearly i'm utilizing um ugly aspects of the matrix such as the homeland securities measures of, of checking people coming into the u.s yeah. to to grow as well yeah you reminded me of something that popped up earlier in my conscious i wanted to share which is that um this sense of trust, this sense of, I would call it adventure, right? So there was a guy I was listening to and he was saying that he's just practicing these manifestation, you know, practices, law of attraction and all that, that whole realm. And he, according to him, he was saying, I got so good at manifestation. I got so good after a while, being able to manifest whatever I wanted that it actually became boring. And I actually decided to manifest or integrate into my my life more adventure and uncertainty and mystery because that actually was more exciting and fulfilling than you know this kind of knowing what you're manifesting manifesting all the time which i thought was an interesting point because i think on a deeper level that's exactly what we are doing we actually we actually really like the sense of adventure and the sense of mystery and the sense of not knowing why how it all is going to happen or how it's all going to make sense or um, so to be able to have gratitude for that, right, the sense of adventure. Oh, my God, I had no idea it was, was going to turn this direction right now, you know, in my life. Have gratitude for that sense of adventure and mystery, I think, is, um, is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, I, I like, uh, yeah, that's what we are doing now, as Tabula is saying. I, I like how you're pointing there to, the, the, to the, the deeper truth of what the individual was pointing to there. Like he's offering a micro individual perspective but we could really take that into the macro view as well like what's what's god up to or what's infinite and eternal yeah. being up to yeah why why did it yeah. not just like why why has anything come from nothing why has something come from nothing and i, yeah. I feel that it is to, to to experience the full range of possibility and and also to know itself via human beings you know, god needs us just as much as we need god like there is this wonderful Meister Eckhart also pointed to this as the 
reason that God made all these infinite number of consciousnesses and perspectives and so on is to be able to know itself. The one became many in, all, in order to know itself in different ways, to know itself yeah. in different ways. Yeah. We had a couple comments here. Danielle says, I took off from my work to begin our long weekend here in Canada. You have both inspired me today, and I appreciate you both. Thank you, Brian and Will. Many blessings to you both. Blessings to you. What a lovely comment. And uh, uh, I like this from Helena. Asking myself that question very often. What do you want from me, universe? It is a great question to just be mindful of, you know, throughout the day. So how can people get the book? How can they tap into you, get into what you're doing? The book is, as they say, available from all good retailers. Um, and, if, and if it's not available there, then it's not a good enough retailer yet. Um, so please ask for it at the counter. Obviously, Amazon um, and all the usual online uh, resources. Maybe I should say Barnes & Noble online. I think Amazon are, are well-known and well-publicized enough. Um, uh, it's in some bookstores um, around the place as well. And in terms of connecting with myself, people can check out willpie.com. Uh, I'm a transformational coach. I lead workshops and retreats, as you're well aware. And um, yeah, will at willpie.com is my email. If people want to make any comments or share um, their experience, please do. People can also consider getting in contact with loveandtruthparty.org. Loveandtruthparty.org. There's lots of free resources on there, including my first book, uh, to pay what you feel offering and downloadable love letters from the universe so should you ever find yourself in a situation where you need a love letter from the universe to give to a supervisor of homeland security or just to a friend or a family member or the guy at the cashier of the supermarket or whatever then those love letters are there and lots of other free resources around how to create well-being in your lives as well and any final words you'd like to share with the folks out there uh you're loved and all is well and yeah please be kind and gentle with yourself yeah beautiful thanks will so much for being here it's always a joy to to connect will and i uh spent time in italy together we part of a retreat together and did some traveling and saw some sacred sites and um, I, we've also a few times in Asheville. I, I saw a picture, in fact, just a day or two ago. I saw it too. It was a fantastic picture. Amazing. Right. The one at, um, at, in Assisi or near Assisi. But from above. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, that's kind of cool how that just popped up into, in, into, into, the, into the consciousness. It was the, uh, near one of my favorite um, mystics uh, is St. Francis and the prayer of St. Francis is one of my favorite prayers and meditation focuses. So that was really beautiful to see that photo and recall our times together there. And I'm really appreciative of all that you bring into the world and, and taking some time to chat with me today as well. So thank you. I appreciate yeah. it, Brian. Thank you very much and more to come. <laughs> Thanks, Will. All right, y'all. That was fun. Uh, I haven't done the long form podcast in a while. Uh, I've been doing the 10 at 10, coming at you about 10 minutes most weekdays. So it was good to get that back on. And we'll get that back on again uh, more as well. And you can always get this archived 
on uh, as a podcast, an actual podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It will also be here on Facebook Live and on YouTube. And uh, feel free to continue to leave comments and questions and things, topics you'd like me to get into, themes you'd like me to get into, um, guests you'd like me to connect with here. You are the producer of these episodes. You're what make it happen. And um, you can plug in deeper with me through personal sessions, through uh, retreats. We have a little a couple of retreats coming up in Europe in the summer. And in the spirit of gratitude and the gratitude prescription, I just want to say a deep appreciation and gratitude for you sharing this space with me. Let's take a deep breath together. Inhale, exhale, let's carry this energy forward with us the rest of the day, morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are, and I will see you in the next.